This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Counterpoint brought to you by Pizzaville 416-736-3636 or pizzaville.ca. They will take care of you. Good night to do so. We've got Anthony Fury, of course, tonight. You can read him in The Sun. Also, Post Media columnist and national comment editor. Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> there you go. And we got Bob Richardson, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello there. Quicker to the draw. Yeah, no kidding. There. Better wake up there, Anthony. Better wake up. Bob's got this on you. Uh, okay, I gotta, I've got to check. Bob, you feeling good? I'm feeling great. I'm actually, if the truth be known, in a quiet area at the TFC game. Oh. And we're about to, and we're about to watch the once the TFC's done. So it'll be very exciting night. It'll be lots of fun. I heard that they were doing that. What a smart idea. They got the game uh, moved to 7 o'clock and they're getting the big screens going with all the fans. I mean, how that that to me is just smart. Do you know what, too? And a big crowd. Yeah. I mean, this, I thought this place would be empty and I bet you there's probably 20, 22,000 people wow. here. So it's, it's a great night. See, I thought that it would be a smart idea if Scotia Centre and the NBA opened up, uh, you know, in the off games and then maybe charge admission and give it to charity. I mean, because people will go without question oh, to watch this game. sure. So. I mean, ton- tonight's a real good example of that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's start with the uh, story that kind of dominated in the last uh, 24 hours, certainly the shove of Kyle Lowry. I don't think that'll happen again tonight. But the uh, I was reading today that the Warriors may force uh, Stevens to sell the stake in the team ahead of the season. He had a small piece of the team that he bought in 2013, 8%. And if he bought it and sold it today, he'd make $180 bucks. That's not a bad way to uh, step away from a team. But is the apology enough, or should he be forced to sell, Bob? You know what? I think the apology is enough, and I thought his apology was very pretty clear. Um, I think the guy made a stupid mistake. Um, but he did apologize for it. He's paying, uh, you know, a fine mm-hmm. for it. Um, and I think he's probably, you know, you know, doing the right things. I think it's probably a bit of a pile on yeah. to ask him to sell uh, sell his thing. Although he may not be so upset if they uh, if they make him do it. You know, if he's going to make 180 million dollars. But I, I think that's a bit excessive. And sometimes in the world of social media, uh-huh. we we need to kind of watch the pile on on these things. And I think we're kind of headed there on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Bob on this one, Anthony, because yes, they they, they were pretty quick to react. He didn't apologize first, but I thought he was pretty genuine in the apology and he's making a donation. I mean, at what point are we happy, uh, you know, when someone's completely destroyed? You know, I think one of the lessons, Alex, when when Nav Badia had that incident where yeah. there was a, a fan that was saying some some pretty mean things about him, and then Badia was so classy, and he actually reached out to the guy. They had a phone conversation, mm-hmm. and he said he said, "Oh, you know, he's just a misunderstanding, and and this guy's, you know, he's never even left his town, and he just didn't know what he was talking about." And Badia took this negative and made it a positive. 
And, you know, you're right that in social media land, it's like, no, let's let's completely destroy this person every step of the way. But I think the Badia example is, well, let's try and let's try and all feel good at the end of this and come together and, and walk away happy. And, and, you know, let's try and do that here, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, unless you've been in a media uh, social media pylon and I've been in many ones, I mean, they're they're they're, they're hard. <laughs> they're not fun. So I can only imagine what this guy uh, and the guy who yelled uh, whatever he did on on TV the other night uh, to Curry's wife. I mean, sometimes the pylon is punishment enough, you know. Yeah, Let, no question, no question about that. And I think we're getting to that excess point. So yeah. I hope we, uh, I hope it turns off, and I hope the guy learned a lesson, and I, I hope he does some positive things as a result of it. Yeah, the good news is he's got billions of dollars to buy himself therapy, so he'll be just fine. Um, <laughs> Doug Ford marking the one-year anniversary of his election. They have set an ambitious mandate, as we know, but it has been very chaotic. I'll ask you this, Anthony. What grade would you give Ford and, uh, I guess, the team? And if you were advising him heading into year two, what would you tell him to do? I have a feeling yeah, I already I, know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd give him, you know, C+, plus, B-, minus, something like that, because there were great expectations. Uh, when he first got into office, the decisions he made before the legislature started sitting, I thought, okay, he's really setting a positive tone. But once they got into work-a-day government, mm-hmm. I found that they really lost the narrative. They really lost focus. And they're saying, okay, we had all this debt, this deficit. We felt there was waste going on. We're the cleanup crew. Uh, we've had conservatives in this country say for a decade now, oh, just just let me at it. Give me, you know, give me a chance, and I'm going to do all this stuff. There's a dream ticket list of things that conservatives, fiscal conservatives, economic conservatives want to see. They're not really doing that stuff. They're yeah. moving rudderless, rudderless from one item to another. I, I don't understand why they're going after one item uh, over another for cuts and so forth. And I, I don't think that there's sort of a cogent philosophy behind this, a plan. I mean, Alex, if you know what you want to do and know why you're going to do it and you can stick by it and you can defend it, even when everybody's attacking you on social media and in the press, that's one thing. But here, the fact that Ford backs away from everything yeah. tells me that he's not even sure of himself in the first place and isn't clear what he's doing from day one. It's incredibly disappointing because I had high hopes, and I think there's a lot of good stuff to be done here. So they've got three more years, and I hope they, they learn to focus. Yeah, one of the issues that I um, had talked about off the top of the show, Bob, is the noise. The noise is uh, erasing his message, and if he wants to be successful, he's going to have to cut through that noise and take care and take control of the narrative. Uh, How does he punch through the noise, though? Well, this guy has to decide whether he wants to be Premier of Ontario or a 311 operator (laughs) or the Mayor of Toronto. And, you know, like, you can't do all three jobs. And, you know, uh, Premiers of Ontario focus on three or four big issues. The economy, health, education, and increasingly in this province now, the environment. This guy is all over the map. There is no plan. There's kind of chaos. Uh, there's different announcements every day. I mean, quite frankly, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to be nicer than Anthony was, which tells you that these guys really do need to get their act together. But, but the, the thing for this guy is he's got five months where he can sit back and maybe put together a plan because he does not have one. The other thing is he's got six or eight pretty decent people in that cabinet. Yep. Uh, you know, a guy like Monty McNaughton's doing a good job. Peter Bethlen Falvey is one of the most thoughtful you know and what? I think respectable guys I, he's got. I, I'll say this as a liberal. Anybody would want a guy like that in as your yep. Treasury Board president. Yep. Um, you know, Yurik, as I said, I think both uh, Christine Elliott and, and Carolyn Mulroney left 
you know, if, if they weren't firing grenades into their department, would be doing decent jobs. And, you know, Rod Phillips, and there's a variety of other ones. So there's talent there, but you can't have talent in the middle of chaos. So this guy needs to figure out what his job is. And once he does that, I think it'll be, you know, could lead to something else for them. But I would give them a D minus. This has not been a good government. They've, they've uh, you know, a good one third of their supporters are unhappy. He's inflamed a lot of people. I mean, when you get when you get the Ontario Chamber of Commerce kind of slapping you around and you're a conservative government, you might want to hit the pause button and say, geez, guys, what are we doing right now? Well, they paused well, well, it for five I, months. If so. I can just yeah. add one thing, they are going to try and hit the pause button or the refresh button. There's going to be a cabinet shuffle coming soon, yeah. and we're going to see some major, major positions moved around a bit. Uh, but the main position is going to stay the same, and Doug Ford's still going to be the premier and if he thinks he can move around the chairs a little bit, and then that says, oh, look, leadership has resumed, we still have to see it from the guy at the top. It doesn't matter who's shuffled around. We do, but if you're going to go into labor negotiations with the education union, you better have a minister in there that can get that message out and not stutter, stammer, or feel unsure. I mean, that is a big portfolio, and Lisa Thompson was handed a, a poop sandwich. I mean, it's a tough one, and, and she she's struggled to, to get the messaging on it. I mean, she's... I think she's been a very weak communicator, and I think she's been a weak minister of education. I think somebody like a Rod Phillips would be strong in there. They've got, you know, two or three other people who could probably do that job. But, you know, they need to get their act together. And the other thing is they need to do their homework before they announce it. They're constantly announcing things and backtracking because they have no idea what they're doing. And it's amateur. It's it's amateur out. And you know what? It's not just John Tory, and there's a natural animosity between John Tory and Doug Ford. If you talk, pick 15 mayors across the province and talk to them, they all have the same view. And it's just like, these are people who don't necessarily want to fight with the province, but they're being put in that position because these guys don't know what they're doing or they're not operating at all in a collegial fashion. So you know what? You're going to wear it if you continue to operate like that. Maybe you'll get a call, Bob, maybe. All right, guys, let's pause there. You can have a sip of beer at the game, and uh, we'll come back after this, and we'll talk about uh, an interesting way to shut down pot shops, and all it takes is a few thousand pounds of concrete. We'll be back right after this on Point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Here we got Counterpoint Round 2, which is brought to you by Pizzaville. 416-736-3636 or pizzaville.ca. If you want yourself a pie, they'll get you set up. Anthony Fury, Bob Richards, and Wang off on the uh, headlines of the night. Interestingly, I don't know if you guys both saw the pictures, but uh, Global News Radio 640 Toronto has confirmed that Toronto bylaw officers blocked a storefront that has been, I guess, an illegal pot shop with these massive, like, 5,000-pound cinder blocks, and they've stacked them on top of each other and totally blocked off the entrance to this thing because I guess they just couldn't shut it down. But, Anthony, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but this is a very expensive and very time-consuming way to shut down a pot shop. Yeah, and it's pretty hardcore. It's pretty visually striking. I'll say this, though, Alex. A lot of times people have experiences where they call the police or they call bylaw, and they're complaining persistently about something, and it's something that shouldn't be happening. And all people come by, they do is they come by, they write a ticket, nothing happens. 
This is finally action, and it's very specific and direct action, as the activists say. I mean, if they can chain themselves to stop Trans Mountain Pipeline, surely our own bylaw enforcement and police officers can actually do things to, to expedite shutting down something that shouldn't happen. I will add a footnote, though. I do think it's a, a bit of a scandal the way we devised our marijuana legalization rules in Ontario, such that a lot of the small shops that would like to to have yeah. transitioned and segued into being legal operations. And I, I'm thinking mostly about uh, what Jody Emery wanted to get up to, but instead she was arrested uh, a couple of weeks before legalization. I think that's a shame, and I think we should have uh, much more of an open system for, for places. So I, maybe maybe this facility should have uh, been given a, a, a broader pathway to legality. Probably. Um, I mean, I will pay to see a bylaw officer um, chain themselves to the cinder blocks, Bob, but the problem is it's like a whack-a-mole. This, this place will just yeah. l- lose that stock and set up next door. They, they know uh, that it's worth it. I think this is a buffoon operation, (laughs) and I think these bylaw people should uh, find some other things to do with their their time than putting cinder blocks in front of stores. It enrages me. One of the reasons why we're in this mess on pot is the federal government has done a poor job implementing this with the provinces, particularly in Ontario. These guys can't organize a two-car parade when it comes to the marijuana industry. And then we have a bunch of weak-kneed municipal politicians who are for it because they're against the black market, but, oh, geez, don't do it in my municipality. So you know what? A pox upon the politicians on this one. Remove the cinder blocks, and maybe those idiots in the bylaw department can go out and start enforcing some of the bylaws that need to be uh, enforced instead of screwing around with cinder blocks. I mean, that, that, by the way, was not a small stunt. I mean, that would have taken hours to do and very expensive. I mean, that that's like... It enrages me. Yeah, total waste of time. Um, in an effort to remove hate from its platform, YouTube blocking some British history teachers from its service for uploading archive material related to Adolf Hitler, saying it breached new guidelines of promoting hate. And the video sharing uh, website did say it would remove glorifying the Nazis from the platform. And that apparently includes educating future generations about fascism. And that, to me, I mean, this is the slippery slope, Bob, that we don't want is, A, you drive the hate underground. But this is the educational stuff we want people to learn from. Well, you know, this exhausts me. But these guys can't figure out what the real bad actors are first Mm -hmm. and then worry about all the other stuff uh, later. I mean, this is ridiculous. There should be no incursion in these sort of things right now. This is about history. It's not about hate. Uh, In actual fact, teaching history will lead to hopefully less hate. What these guys should be focusing on is a number of the groups and organizations that are peddling hate out there and cleaning up the way that they run their uh, their platforms. And uh, this is not a way to go about doing that. I agree, because I was talking to Peter Sherman uh, earlier in the show, Anthony, and he pointed out that there's these other websites and platforms opening up at lightning speed, and the stuff on those sites and platforms is 10 times worse than what we're seeing on, on YouTube. So they've just driven this underground. Yeah, Peter makes a great point. I mean, I'm old school. I have Facebook and Twitter, and I guess that's it. I have email addresses. But there's all these things the kids today have that I've never even heard of, and 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 conservative certain you know people who want to say alt right things or whatever. They're going off on something that I've never heard of, and so forth. So I mean, to be, for people to focus on Twitter and YouTube, it's just kind of silly because there's other stuff out there. And it's completely right about the fact you know there's educational videos here. I remember uh, going to a screening of Lenny Reifenstahl 
Rifenstahl's movie Triumph of the Will. Lenny Rifenstahl was a German filmmaker in the 30s and 40s, and then I guess before that in the 20s, and did a lot of nature documentaries. And she became a propagandist mm. for Hitler. Before the war broke out in the early 30s, Triumph of the Will is a film of one of the big rallies that they did in, I think, 1934. And it is something that people study as a historical yeah. thing. It's a Nazi propaganda rally, but we saw the film, and then there was a speech by a professor afterwards. And I don't think any of us who sat in that audience, well, I don't know, because there were probably 100 people or so, but uh, you know, we're, we were certainly big boys enough to watch the film, hear the lecture, and then not go join the Nazi party. So I think you have to uh, allow people to, to, to study these things. Yeah, but the slope we're going down, uh, it's, it's just this knee-jerk reaction, which is, I think can be far more uh, destructive and dangerous. Um, curious to know your thoughts on this, Bob. For the fir- third time since winning the Conservative Party leadership, Andrew Scheer has said he will not be marching in Pride Parade this year. Is it bad political strategy, or is it that now all politicians have to march at Pride? Well, you know, I think the problem is this guy wants it both ways on uh, on the issue of Pride. He wants to pr- pretend to be being supportive of the gay and lesbian community, and then he wants to blow the dog whistle when he gets the opportunity with other communities, too, as well. I think that, frankly, is the real problem with this guy uh, more more than uh, more than anything else. Um, look, pe- pe- people are entitled to their own point of views, but when you run in our pluralistic society now to be the leader of a major political party, this has become very mainstream. And quite frankly, as a liberal, I'm happy that he's not doing it. Because you know what? It sends a powerful signal to a lot of people who are politically independent, who are not necessarily liberals, who are independent voters, that this guy ain't one of them. So I'm happy he continues to do this as a liberal. I'm sad that he continues to do it as a, as somebody who would like to see a more mature approach from uh, from our political leadership. And I'm bothered by uh, the fact that Pride has become so political, Anthony. I used to go to it and have always a good time, but it has been taken over by politicians. And I'd be more impressed if if politicians would go to the events that matter, things like the AIDS vigil, uh, which have a true meaning, and and some of the other events surrounding it. I don't necessarily think they have to march in in the parade. I mean, Doug Ford was asked about it. He said he's not going to do the parade, but he will do some of the other events. Well, yeah, and, and the other thing is you go there to have a party and to and have it's a great fun. time, yeah. and it's wild and it's campy. I've been there a number of times, and there's nothing more boring <laughs> than, like, 20 people in a suit waving liberal flags or conservative <laughs> flags or whatever the hell it is, waving, oh, it's Kathleen Wynne or Andrew Scheer. I don't care. Bring me the, you know, the people in the wild costumes. Well, you want Mel Lasman with a water gun because he was hilarious. Yeah. And all of that stuff. I mean, who wants them? I will say, though, you know, you're running for conservative leader at a time when they're in more and more. Uh, well, you are a conservative leader at a time when there are more and more uh, gay and lesbian people out there, you know, paying taxes, There are lots of gays in the conservative the party. Black. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know serving in our armed forces and so forth. I mean, I appreciate Doug Ford's point about him saying, well, if the cops aren't involved in pride, because I know a lot of. Uh, I know a lot of gay cops who aren't happy about that whole situation as well. But the bottom line is I think Andrew Scheer should appear at some event somewhere, whether it's Ottawa Pride one year, Toronto Pride one year, because if he's not not going to any of them ever, it makes you think that he's deliberately uh, not comfortable there, and that's not a good look. And, and look, I'm gay. I'm not going to the Pride Parade. You know, I'm, I'm doing some other things. But here's something. 
Could Andrew Scheer hold a reception on Parliament Hill? Could he attend yeah. some events? Yeah. Could he go to the peace flag breakfast with parents of, uh, of gay and lesbian kids? Could he go Do to something. the opening reception yeah, at yeah. the 519 reception? I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, he could do a whole pile of stuff. He chooses not to do that. I think that is a huge absence of leadership. And it's also a huge smack in the face to modern urban Canada. And this guy already looks like an extra from the Leave it to Beaver set. And this just absolutely reinforces that. <laughs> well, maybe he'll surprise us all, Bob. Put on a pair of chaps and get on that parade flow, you know, and just have a good old time. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> All right, guys, I have to thank you so much, uh, Bob. Thank you very much. I know you're at the uh, uh, the, the stadium and probably uh, very loud, but I appreciate you uh, spending time go with me on this Raptors, one. Go, Go. Have a great time. I want full reports thank on you. Twitter. And, Anthony, thank you as well. I appreciate it. Go Raptors. <laughs> go Raptors. You almost sound like Kawhi. That's about uh, how excited I, I, Kawhi gets. I'm confused. It was supposed to be a, a, a regal sonar <laughs> line. I, I clearly missed the mark. There you go. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Anthony Fury and uh, Bob Richardson uh, joining me tonight for this Counterpoint. Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.